Hello there, Poppets. Welcome back to my gingerbread house. I've half a mind to start insisting you bring payment if you're going to return every week. No, nothing so common as money. I'm sure I've told you that a witch can never have too many herbs, haven't I? Or, of course, there are always favours. You owe me... I come to claim in the future. Oh, don't look so panicked. I'm only toying with you. Although it does remind me of a friend of mine. Sit. Sit. I know you only come for a story. Let me tell you about my friend Tom. Once upon a time, there was a man. Now, reports vary as to what, exactly, this man was. A goblin, perhaps? Or a troll? But all we know is that he was short in stature, with an even shorter temper, and his name was Rumpelstiltskin. Now, there is power in a name. And Rumpelstiltskin knew this well. The number of people who knew his real name at this point in time was so small he could count them on the fingers of one hand. He went by many fake names. I knew him as Tom in those days. Whatever Tom was, gnome or troll or goblin, he was a businessman first and foremost. He could do many things. Weave, knit, blacksmithing. But there was always a price, agreed in advance. He was fair, in his mind, and he expected equal fairness in return. The agreed price would be paid, and it would be paid in full, or there would be a consequence. This was how Tom worked, and he made sure that all of his clients knew this before they agreed to work with him. Now Tom's specialty was people who were desperate and lost and alone. People who needed his help, not people who simply wanted it. If they were to cry when the moon was absent and the sky full of clouds, he would appear. It was a very specific set of circumstances, but it meant he wasn't overwhelmed with work. And so it was that he met perhaps his most famous client. A miller had been boasting that his daughter was so talented she could spin straw into gold. And the king, hearing this rumour, ordered that she be brought to his castle. He locked her in a room full of straw overnight and said that if she hadn't managed to spin it all into gold by morning, he would have her executed. Of course, the poor thing couldn't spin straw into gold at all. So she cried, and she cried, and as it just so happened, it was the time in the month where the moon is absent, and the sky that night was full of clouds. Tom appeared. In exchange for the ring on her finger, he agreed to spin all of the straw into gold, and so he did. Now things in fairy tales happen in threes. When the king returned the next morning to find a room full of straw, 
he moved the miller's daughter into an even bigger room, filled with even more straw, and told her to spin it all into gold, or she would be executed. Tom was old enough and wise enough to understand the rule of three by this point in his life. So that night, he returned just to check in on his latest client, and found her crying once more. And once again, he promised to spin all of the straw into gold, this time in exchange for her necklace. And the next day, the king moved her to a bigger room still, with even more straw, and he told her that if she could spin all of this into gold, he would marry her. And if not, she would be executed. Now to me, that seems like a lose-lose situation. You wouldn't really want to marry someone who would threaten to execute you twice in the three days you'd known them, but um, that's just me. Tom appeared, and the miller's daughter tearfully explained that she had nothing left to pay him with. She wasn't rich, and she did not have any more jewellery. He told her that he would accept her firstborn child as payment, and desperate not to die, the miller's daughter said yes. Tom spun the straw into gold, and the next day the king proposed to the miller's daughter, who had little choice but to accept. It takes a certain kind of bravery to say no to a king, or one might say foolishness. So they married, and within a year the miller's daughter, now the queen, found herself pregnant. And sure enough, when the baby was born, Tom appeared at her bedside to remind her of her promise. The queen offered him all the gold he could want, all of her new royal jewellery, any material possession he could possibly desire. But a promise is a promise, and she promised to give him her firstborn child, and Tom would not stray from his word. Despite what they will tell you, Tom was not a heartless man. The queen begged and pleaded, and eventually he agreed to waver their agreement, but only if she could guess his real name within three days. And there's that rule of three again. He returned the next night, and the queen was waiting with a list of all the most popular baby names from the last fifty years in the kingdom. But of course, none of those were Rumpelstiltskin. He returned the next day, and the queen pulled out some more obscure names. Atlas, and Painter, and Horizon, and names to that effect. But of course, none of those were Rumpelstiltskin either. Tom returned to his house in the woods, where he spent the third day preparing a nursery for his new baby. Unbeknownst to him, the queen was in the habit of walking to clear her head. As she passed by his cottage, she overheard him singing to himself through the open window about how he, Rumpelstiltskin, was going to be the best adoptive father the world had ever seen. He returned to the palace that night with a Moses basket to put the baby in. The queen played coy, suggesting several names she knew weren't right. Alan, Benjamin, Kylie, before finally saying, or perhaps, your name is Rumpelstiltskin? Tom screamed. He cursed. He said words unfit to repeat in polite conversation. And we are having a polite conversation, aren't we, darling traveller? But a deal was a deal, and he left the baby where he was, leaping out of the window and vanishing into the night with his empty basket. 
They say that no one has heard from Rumpelstiltskin since. His house has long been abandoned. But if you know where to look, or if you're desperate enough at the right time of month to cry, you might find him yet. I send him a birthday card every year, and he sends me one back, so he is still around. I know that for sure. Thank you for listening to The Gingerbread House. This week's episode was inspired by Rumpelstiltskin, a story that originates from Germany, although similar fairy tales exist worldwide. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing our podcast with a friend or dropping a review on your podcast streaming service of choice. It really would mean a lot to us. The Gingerbread House is written and produced by Daisy Plant, who also provides the voice for Melita, the witch. You can also find us on Twitter at gingerbreadpod, or one word, and now on Instagram at the gingerbreadpod, again, or one word. Thank you so, so much for listening. Tune in next time when we'll be visiting a house in the clouds. <laughs>